The Cigar Dave Show podcast is presented by Diamond Crown. Sit back, relax, pour a drink, and light up a Diamond Crown as you begin the show with the general, Cigar Dave. This is CCRN, the Cigar Connoisseur Radio Network. Broadcasting from Humidor 1A in the cigar city of Tampa, Florida, USA. Welcome to the Cigar Dave Show, your weekly excursion into the world of cigars, spirits, and diversions. The cigar and pleasure-friendly hotlines are open. 877-DAVE-007. Now, fire up a cigar and pour yourself a cocktail. It's time for the General Cigar Dave. I can tell you one thing for certain. There are absolutely no feminists or dishonest members of the liberal media within one quarter mile of Command Center Alpha Humidor 1A. They have been cleared from the perimeter. In fact, I have my canine companion... Royal Sultan, on alert, defending the compound, the Pleasure Command Center and Alpha Command Center from any enemies of pleasure, any feminist enemies, and any enemies from the lamestream media. This is an inner sanctum, a tranquil place, Command Center Alpha. And it is ever more uh, tranquil because I have my freshly brewed espresso. I have my cigar selection today in front of me. And I've got some great libations. All is well front and center. Command Center Alpha. Long ash greetings and salutations. A long ash snappy salute. Semper Delictatio. Always pleasure. America's alpha male front and center. As always, It is my delight, my pleasure to be able to spend the next two hours with you each and every Saturday. It has been a tumultuous week for those of us that are Trump supporters. There is no ifs, ands, or buts. But the one thing that I have found all week is that the liberal media is incredibly disingenuous and dishonest. We know that. And I'm not just barking what Trump has to say, because when Trump's wrong, I say it. When Hillary's wrong, I say it. In fact, I believe that I represent the frustrated majority in this country. The frustrated majority of Americans that are tired of a media that is not telling the truth. A frustrated majority of Americans that are tired of Washington and Washington bureaucrats meddling and interfering in our lives and in our businesses and in our livelihoods. And I believe I represent a frustrated majority that are tired of the same old insider politics, the establishment politics. And I don't care if you're a Democrat, a Republican, a liberal, a conservative. The one unifying force is that people are fed up with the status quo. They're fed up with people that are disingenuous and dishonest. And there are tons of them in Washington. And the one thing that I pride myself is that we're fair, we're honest, we're straight. We tell it like it is. And for those of you that have been longtime listeners, I'm more than happy to criticize Republicans and Democrats, liberals, conservatives, when they do not make sense. 
unlike the current media. Now, we have much to get to today. In the second hour, we'll be continuing our Cigar Oktoberfest series. We'll be joined by two good friends of the Cigar Dave Show and longtime friends who happen to be home brewers. Last week, we spent a wonderful week over in St. Petersburg, downtown St. Petersburg, talking about home brewing, the science of making your own beer. And we're going to follow that up with two home brewers. We've got Matt Puccio, who will join us from Missouri, as they say, the show-me state, not Missouri, Missouri. And we've got Phil Azun, longtime producer, creative services director for the Cigar Dave Show, who actually today is home brewing Right in his home. So we'll be joining both of them in the second hour. But some big news that broke yesterday. Live, Live local, local, late breaking. breaking. This is a Cigar Dave News Bulletin. Well, just about a year ago, Obama, President Obama, Bolshevik Barack Obama, started to create a thaw between Cuba and the United States. Did we get anything? Not really, but nonetheless, this is what one of the legacies he wants to le- uh, lead in addition to a terrible health, uh, health program that he has enacted, which, by the way, is just spiraling out of control. That's a topic for another time. But yesterday, the Obama administration came out saying they are eliminating the $100 limit on Cuban rum and cigars that American travelers were theretofore allowed to bring back when Obama relaxed the travel restrictions between the United States and Cuba. So just about a year ago or so, a little bit, probably less than that, maybe about eight months or so, if you went to visit Cuba, you could bring back either $100 in cigars or rum, a combination thereof. Well, yesterday, the administration announced, the Treasury Department, seeking to break down economic barriers, announced that Cuban rum and cigars may be brought back in unlimited qualities, uh, quantities subject to the same duties as alcohol and tobacco from other countries, meaning that if you want to bring back $20,000 worth of cigars or $10,000 worth of rum, you are free to do so. However, you will pay normal duties. And I think if you're out of the country for more than a couple of days, I think you can bring up to it's either $500 or $800 uh, that's duty-free. So if you bring up to that amount, duty-free, above that, you will pay a duty. And one little note, always declare whatever you bring in. No matter where I've gone, I've always declared. Because usually, even if you do go over, most of the time the customs inspectors don't want to go through the paperwork hassle, but they know you're honest. Where they'll get people is when they come back with $5,000 or $10,000 worth of merchandise and declare $100. That doesn't work, and I've seen it. While I've been in line, people get caught. In fact, low-energy Jeb's wife, Columba, while he was governor, uh, came back, said she declared nothing, and came back with like $20,000 in in clothing from, I don't know if it was South America or Europe or wherever it was. So moral of the story is always declare. So now, if you're traveling to Cuba, you can bring more than $100, but you will pay up at normal duties. Now, what I find interesting, two things. One The Obama administration relaxes this requirement, helps the Cuban economy this way, and the United States gets nothing. Did he ask to release dissident uh, prisoners from jail? No. Did he ask to relax the state-controlled media 
Allowing unlimited fettered internet access? No. Once again, the worst negotiator on the planet. What he should have done was said, look, we're considering this. However, to do this, we need this. And we need to see it first, and then we'll open it up. But of course, worst negotiator ever in the history of modern, uh, not only modern history, but of history period. Rolls over, gives them everything. In fact, if he were to spend five minutes with me, I'm one of the best negotiators ever. And I can tell you I thrive when friends of mine say, I need to negotiate for a car, and I'm getting shafted. I'm like, please, allow me. It would be my pleasure. But again, Obama goes in, relaxes these, these restrictions, and gets nothing in return. But here's the second point. The FUDA regulations, which were enacted back in May, retroactive to February of 2007, meaning that if a cigar, the deeming rule that cigars had to be on the market February of 2007, you have to have an equivalent product on the market February 2007. If not, you must prove what's called substantial equivalence, meaning that any cigar on or before August 9th of 2016 of this year, cigar manufacturer has to show that it's virtually identical of a blend to what was on the market, one of his other cigars, his or her other cigars. This is impossible for Cuba to prove. They can't because there has been a, an embargo. So what I find interesting is he is supporting the Cuban cigar industry, yet at the same time shafting the American cigar industry and also shafting the cigars made in Honduras, Nicaragua, the Dominican Republic, Miami, you name it, everywhere except Cuba. And even if the embargo was lifted tomorrow, which it's not, takes an act of Congress, but let's say hypothetically it was, it was lifted in totality. Cuba couldn't sell an American cigar here legally, period, because they didn't have a, a, a cigar that was substantially equivalent on the market back in February of 2007 or 2009. I think it's 2009. So I find that amazing. Even if Cuba, even if the embargo is lifted, they wouldn't be able to sell cigars under the FDA. Now, if Obama was president, I will guarantee you he would put in a waiver Tell the FDA, I don't care. Let the Cubans sell cigars. And screw his very own taxpaying citizens who pay taxes, work hard, employ people here in the United States. So I find it very interesting. He's doing all he can to bend over backwards for the Cuban cigar industry, yet screwing the American cigar industry. The hypocrisy is once again overwhelming. Now, lieutenants, when we come back, and fellow alphas, we're going to talk about Jessica Leeds. She's the one who accused Trump of groping her like an octopus and kissing her and riding up her skirt and up her, up her blouse on a plane in 1979. And we'll also talk about Ken Bone. Ken Bone in the red sweater who asked a question at Sunday night's debate. We've got a lot to get to today, but you will hear it truthfully. You will hear it honestly. You will hear it fairly without any political slant. Well, maybe a slight political slant, but we're equal opportunity bashers. We believe in common sense. So when we come back, we'll get into Ken Bone. We'll get into Jessica Leeds. Got a few other things that we will get to. Hour two, we celebrate Cigar Oktoberfest. Home brewing. We'll talk to two home brewers, Phil Azun and Matt Puccio, who'll join us in the second hour. Phil's getting ready to brew right now as we speak. And Matt will join us. We'll talk about their styles, how they got into it, everything you need to know to become a home brewer. 
Lieutenants, as always, I'm America's commanding correction. I got to get over saying I'm America's alpha male in general. I'm the global alpha male in chief and the global commanding general, and you have come to the right place for alpha male pleasure and honest talk maneuvers. The Cigar Dave Officers Club selection this month is a Casa Torrent vertical sampler, including the Casa Torrent Siri 1942 from A Torrent Cigars. This cigar uses the same Negro San Andreas wrapper as the Siri 1901, but from a lower priming. This cigar is medium to full-bodied with some spice. Not a member of the Officers Club? Get these premium cigars shipped directly to you every month by signing up today at CigarDave.com. In this difficult and challenging time when the government is trying to outlaw premium cigars and take away the art form of enjoying a beautiful cigar, we decided to introduce our brand called Prohibition. This cigar is going to be the bootlegger's dream. A gorgeous cigar made in Esteli, Nicaragua, triple capped using a broadleaf wrapper and a Mexican wrapper from the San Andreas Valley. It's got Nicaraguan tobaccos from the Nicaraguan valleys of Esteli and Jalapa. It's rich, it's complex, it's got some spice, some white pepper, and a ton of sweetness. Full of flavor, this cigar is one that you're going to want to enjoy, and you're going to bootleg. And that's why it's called Prohibition. Enjoy it. I promise you're going to love it. As a cigar connoisseur, one of the pleasures that we derive is walking into our retailer's humidor and seeing the latest and greatest in the world of cigars. Nine years ago, I had the idea that I wanted to share great cigars with the cigar lieutenants. So, the Officers Club was born. Every month, you will receive three fantastic premium cigars direct to your door, shipped in a very dapper Officers Club customized Ziploc cigar pouch. $22.95 per month gets you the latest and greatest in the world of cigars. No long-term contracts. You can cancel whenever you want. You enjoy great cigars right to your door. Names like Perdomo, Diamond Crown, Brickhouse, San Latano, Rocky Patel, Torano, CAO, Avo, Camacho, Greycliff, and many more. Join the Officers Club today. Go to CigarDave.com, click on Officers Club, and for $22.95, you'll get the latest and greatest in the world of cigars. Okay, people, we've just been awarded the Brickhouse Ad Account. Now, this cigar was named Best Bargain Cigar of 2009 by Cigar Aficionado, got a 91 rating, plus it's the hottest cigar on the market. So, we need an award-winning slogan. He's a brick. How? What about, it's not your grandfather's cigar? Ah, it's been done. Next. How about good to the last draw? Ah, something original, people. You deserve a brick today? Now, who are you? Do you even work here? Excuse me, sir. Am I to understand that every Brickhouse cigar is built with all the flavor and quality of the premium cigars of yesteryear? Yesteryear? Really? That's right, Bixby. But yeah, it costs around five bucks each. Indeed. Well, sir, people don't really need a slogan. They don't? No, sir. Then what do they need? Five bucks and a comfortable chair. Five bucks and a comfortable chair, genius! Meet the perfect cigar to share with friends. Brickhouse by J.C. Newman. Handmade in Nicaragua with a fine Havana Subido wrapper. Brickhouse starts out earthy and crisp and burns well-rounded and smooth. Nothing stands the test of a good time like a Brickhouse. For more, visit BrickhouseCigars.com.
Arriving as a wussified beta male. Departing as a certified alpha male. Cigar Dave, mission accomplished. I want to clarify one thing. I said that I'm no longer America's alpha male. I'm the global alpha male. Well, I'm technically not wrong because I am America's alpha male as well, as well as the global alpha male. And I never apologize. And you shall never apologize for being an alpha male. This week, alpha males got bashed incessantly. Get used to it. It's going to get worse and worse and worse. Do not apologize. I never apologize for being an alpha male. I'm proud to be an alpha male. I'm proud to be decisive. I'm proud to work hard. I'm proud to play hard. I'm proud to enjoy uh, my, my passion and pleasures. And I'm proud to be strong and opinionated and take charge. Chairman of the board, I will never apologize for that, and neither will you. And the true fact is, real women enjoy that, and that's what they want. They don't want a wussified beta. Now, let's talk about wussified betas. This is a perfect seg into my next segment. Sunday night at the debate. Question asked by Ken Bone. 34 years. Now, when I saw him, I thought Ken was probably like 50. Looks much older than he is. Ken Bone uh, you know, looks like uh, kind of a nebbishy guy. You know, the red sweater and the little mustache, kind of like the porn, you know, Ron Jeremy mustache. And the name alone, Ken Bone. Now, if I if somebody says, hi, Ken Bone, I'm thinking, man, that's alpha, right? But he was more like Ken Bone, not Ken Bone. Ken Bone. Here's his first question. Not the first question up for bids on the prior. First question in tonight's family feud. Here's the f- question he asked at the debate. What steps will your energy policy take to meet our energy needs while at the same time remaining environmentally friendly and minimizing job loss for fossil power plant workers? Now, again, listening to Ken's voice, I'm sure he's a nice guy, and I don't want to bash him, but he is in the public eye now, and I'm not going to bash him per se, but Ken doesn't exactly exude the alphaness of yours truly or yourself. Ken is more... Melancholy beta, if you will. Now, he was on, so he got famous because he had this red sweater, and all of a sudden he becomes an Internet viral sensation. Next day, on the Clinton News Network with Carol Costello. I wonder if she's any relation to Abbott and Costello. She is, because kind of she is kind of a clown, so she is kind of a comedy routine when you watch her show. But this is the interview with Carol Costello the next day on CNN. Why you chose to wear that red sweater, can you share with us? Uh, yeah, I had a really nice olive suit that I love a great deal, and my mother would have been very proud to see me wearing on television. But apparently I've gained about 30 pounds, and when I went to get in my car the morning of the debate, I split the seat of my pants all the way open. Uh, so the red sweater is plan B. I'm glad it worked out. <laughs> a real alpha. Never, never, never in a million years would ever admit that, either publicly or privately. You never say, well, <laughs> I gained some weight and I split the seat of my pants, so therefore I had to, I had to, uh, couldn't wear the suit and I had to wear, wear the sweater to cover up the, uh, the opening in my crotch. Please. Nothing exudes wussified betaness more than, uh, well, I, I gained weight and I, I, basically I ripped my pants open, Carol. Please do not embarrass yourself. Look, I remember I bought a brand new suit, not from my official haberdasher, 
Kirby's, finest menswear uh, uh, haberdasher in the Cigar City. I was out in Vegas a number of years ago. Brand new suit, Canali suit, beautiful. Italian suit, super 180s, nice material. Felt great, looked great. I go to wear it the first day. They alter it. I go to wear it. I kid you not, within a few minutes, I'm walking downstairs, and all of a sudden, I feel this rip. They didn't sew the bottom when they altered the trousers. They didn't sew the bottom back in properly. Now, did I say, uh, i got to go, everybody, my, my pants, the crotch just came undone. No, walking downstairs, and I said, you know what? I forgot something in the uh, upstairs. L- let, me go, let me go grab it. I'll be right down. And I changed. People said, wait a minute, weren't you wearing another suit? I said, yeah, and you know what? I realized I had a stain I didn't catch. I never said there was a rip in the crotch. I never said it was coming undone. You take the alpha route. Now, let's talk about another interview he was on with Jimmy Kimmel uh, earlier this week. Let's talk about something which proves his royal betaness. Before you go, I have one question. I'd like to go to the studio audience. Uh, someone in the audience has a question for Ken. Yes, go ahead, sir. Uh, uh, yeah, last night when you asked about energy policy, there was something I knew I needed to ask you. Uh, how did you ever get such a fresh and cool style? That's a great I, question. I would love to say that I was born this way. <laughs> um, I think the short answer is that my, uh, my wife dresses me like all great Americans. No. Wrong, Ken Bone. All great Americans, alpha Americans, do not have their wife or their mommy dress them. They do not have their wife or their mommy shop for them. No. Alpha Americans, Ken Bone, dress themselves. They pick their own suits. They pick their own color combinations. Never once have I ever had a member of the harem, a squeeze or my mommy, ever select what I am going to wear. And I don't remember my father ever saying to my mother, what should I wear today? What sport coat? What tie? What shirt? Never, never, ever. Alpha males dress themselves. This is a huge problem. And this represents the majority of American men now, wussified betas that have been feminized, that cannot make decisions for themselves. Litation libation ceremony is next. 100% Alpha here at Command Center Alpha. The General is always on Twitter, delivering breaking news, giving you the latest intel on cigars, and battling the enemies of pleasure. Chat with the General now at Cigar Dave Show. In 1964, Jose O. Padron began rolling cigars bearing his name in modest surroundings with one guiding principle, always focus on quality, never on quantity. Nearly 40 years later, Padron cigars are recognized for their superior taste and majestic construction. The result of Padron controlling all aspects of the cigar making process, including planting their own seeds, growing and curing their own tobacco, and constantly supervising the rolling room. To Wall Street, it is called vertical integration. To the Padron family, it's called making great cigars. 
The Padron lines include the Padron 1964 Anniversary Series and the Padron Traditional line. All Padron cigars are wrapped in Nicaraguan sun-grown Habano tobacco, available in natural or maduro. Experience Padron. For your Padron retailer, call 1-800-453-5635. When Padron is on the band, quality is a matter of family honor. Surgeon General Warning. Tobacco use increases the risk of infertility, stillbirth, and low birth weight. With an unlimited and secure supply of pleasure sticks available for the general to enjoy, it's time for National Cigar Litation Maneuvers. Well, as we celebrate Cigar Oktoberfest, I need a fine pairing, a cigar that's going to go with my beer and vice versa. I have pulled out a Padron 1964 Anniversary Maduro. Introduced in 1994 to commemorate the Padron 30th anniversary at the time, this cigar was really the first super premium cigar, not only for Padron, but in many instances, all of the cigar world. Because at the time, George Padron had just come back from the Cigar Retailers Convention and said to his father, Jose O. Padron, Dad, we need something different. There's a big demand for a super premium cigar, something different, maybe a square press cigar, something that's going to be super aged. It's going to be a higher price cigar. Initially, his father said, what? You'll never get that kind of money for a cigar. And George said, let's try it. His father agreed. And they came up with a Padron 1964 anniversary series, undisputed hit. All the tobaccos used in the 1964 anniversary aged four years. Smooth, complex, Cuban style of box pressing. And the cigar uses a wrapper, filler, binder, all from Nicaragua. Nicaraguan Puro. It is smooth as can be. Fantastic cigar. I pulled out the Exclusivo, five and a half inches in length, with a 50 ring gauge, beautiful Robusto. About $12, $13 suggested retail. And if you have not already, we taped a... I was at Padron headquarters for about three, four hours. The end of June, we taped three segments that we aired throughout the month of July, fascinating conversation with George Padron and Jose O. Padron, and you will just be amazed at the history. In fact, George told me there were many items that he learned in that conversation with his dad that he never knew before. So it's right on the homepage, CigarDave.com. Light up a Padron, and I'm telling you, listen to these series. You will find it to be incredibly, not only interesting, but historically fascinating and a true great American success story. Cigar-altering and highly sharpened leaf-exposing device. Self-sharpening double-edged stainless steel guillotine ready to go. Maximum BTU flame-throwing and heat-producing apparatus. All right, I've got my Cigar Dave signature lock and load from the R&D laboratories. We call this the grenade. It looks like a hand grenade, giant tank. About a four-inch single jet flame that flies out. I can control the fuel-air mixture. That's what I will use today on my Padron 1964 Anniversary Maduro. Cigar, Cigar pre-lightation checklist complete. No faults detected. Area clear of all enemies of pleasure. 
Approval to go throttle up in three, two, one. All right, a perfect cut. Let me now toast the foot of the cigar. Oh, listen to that. Listen to that. Toasting beautifully. Taking our time. No rush. Nice toasting of the wrapper. Now the binder. Now I'll get to the filler. Again, just taking my time. I want a nice, even amber glow. I'll puff and rotate. Doesn't take long. Great draw. Mm. Blow on the foot. Needs one little touch-up. Puff and rotate. Beautiful. Padron 1964 anniversary Maduro is lit. I need the proper accompaniment. Scotch, bourbon, and beer. Commence thirst-quenching libationary maneuvers. All right, I have already opened up my Cigar City Brewing Maduro Brown Ale Can. Because, truth be told, I couldn't wait. I needed at the last segment to refresh my palate, a little warmth down the palate, so I opened it up just a little bit ahead of time. But I did just break out a brand new chilled, frosted Bierstein. And I am uh, pouring the Cigar City Brewing Maduro Brown Ale. Very quickly, I want to tell you about this brown ale. This is a Northern English-style brown ale with some American affectations. Now, Maduro is higher in alcohol than most English brown ales. They've put flaked oats in the malt bill, uh, bill, which imparts a silky body, gives it some nice toasted, almost dark chocolate-type flavor notes. So it's a complex beer, full-flavored, approachable, very, very nice. The uh, alcohol by volume is 5.5%. IBU's International Bitterness Unit is 25. Not going to be overly bitter. So let me say cheers. Oh, this is beautiful. Absolutely magnificent. Notes of dark chocolate, little espresso, very smooth, very warm, not overly hoppy. Mm. Perfect accompaniment to my cigar. Very quickly, the October Officers Club selection is a Casa Torrent vertical sampler. We launched the Casa Torrent 1901 last year on the show. Now you have the 1942 and the 1973. That is the Officers Club selection. If you're not a member, go to CigarDave.com. Click on Officers Club 2295. Get you the latest and greatest in the world of cigars. And the I can tell you that the San Andreas Marone wrapper that is on the Casa Torrent 1901 amongst the hottest cigar tobaccos now. The Torrents cannot keep up growing as much as they can. It is fantastic. When we come back, we'll talk about a war against alpha males. I will talk about the D-Day invasion against Donald Trump, and we'll talk about one of his accusers, Jessica Leeds. The story is just not adding up. We shall continue. If you miss any of the general show, you can catch up anytime with the Cigar Dave mobile app. Presented by Diamond Crown. Listen to the most recent show simply by opening the app with our continuous replay. Or you can download a podcast of a past show. Search Cigar Dave in the App Store to get it. Hi, this is Rocky Patel. I'm here with my brother Nish and my cousin Nimish, and we're talking cigars. Guess what? 
They want me to vote on what my favorite cigar is. It's tough, but I'm going to go with the Decade. I love it. It's rich, decadent, and smooth. Rocky, you know what? The Decade's a great cigar, but the 15th anniversary, that's the cigar. That celebrated your 15 years in business, and I got to tell you, it's my favorite. You know what, Nish and Rocky, you both are wrong. The best cigar is Freedom by Rocky Patel. This cigar delivers a lot of spice, a lot of flavor, and in my opinion, it's the best cigar we make. As usual, we can't agree. But guess what? There's a great cigar for everyone. I promise you, nobody works harder than we do to make you a great quality cigar. Come visit us at RockyPatel.com. Surgeon General Warning. Cigars are not a safe alternative to cigarettes. America is under attack. Basic freedoms, privileges, and acts that we would normally take for granted are disappearing each day, including the simple ability to enjoy a cigar. This is Glenn Loop, Executive Director of Cigar Rights of America, CRA. At a time when elected officials should be thinking about education, public safety, and creating jobs, they are actually thinking about smoking bans, new taxes, and regulations of historic proportions on premium cigars. The cigars that provide us with pleasure, relaxation, and fellowship are under attack. We have to stop it. That's why Cigar Rights of America was created, to work for a new political day for cigar enthusiasts across America, to roll back restrictive laws and defeat onerous taxes and regulations that impact everyone from your local cigar shop to your personal humidor. For the price of a few great cigars, be a part of this effort to protect your right to enjoy a cigar without excessive taxation and cumbersome legislation. Go to CigarRights.org. Let's tell the government we've had enough. Join now, CigarRights.org. One hundred percent USDA certified alpha male with zero trace of wussification. It's the General Cigar Cigar Dave. Dave. There has been a concerted effort to attack alpha males in this country. We know that. The feminists have been after the male species for 40 plus years. Men are the cause of all the, the entire root of evil, according to these feminists. And we are seeing this in the election now. The fact is that I believe now a majority of the country are women. And now there's a concerted effort by the women to now not only disparage but denigrate men. We're seeing it every step of the way, and they specifically despise alpha males. Donald Trump, whether you like it or not, is an alpha male. Now, Wednesday was D-Day as far as I'm concerned. That was the time that basically they launched a coordinated all-out attack on Trump, to destroy Trump. Now, it's not a coincidence when you have three, four, five women all coming out on the same day. Now, specifically, I want to focus on one of those accusers who said that Donald Trump groped her like an octopus on an airplane back in 1979. She says from the Midwest. She says from Dallas to New York. Now, looking at that, that would have been on Braniff Airways, and she said she believed it was on Braniff Airlines. She said it was a 707 they were on. Well, Braniff did not fly 707s back at that time. They flew 727s. I have a copy of the timetable. We do impeccable research here on the Cigar Dave Show. We are going to post this at CigarDave.com and on social media so you can see exactly the flights from Dallas 
to New York. Now, she also said that he raised the armrest and tried to get close. Now, all the research I have found, and when I traveled, even in the 70s, I remember most every airline, whether it was Delta or U.S. Airways, I think U.S. Airways didn't have first class to the 80s, but uh, uh, a Delta, Eastern, none of them had first class dividers that raised. And I don't believe that Braniff did either. So little, little question about that story. So Jessica Leeds, 74-year-old today, 39 at the time, she released pictures of herself to show, she said, obviously I've aged, but I wanted to show what I looked like back then. Trust me when I tell you, she did not look so hot. Nothing to look at. So that's the first thing. She released these pictures, but I want to, li- she, she was interviewed by Anderson Cooper Thursday night, exclusive interview. And I would like to play some excerpts because, again, I'm not saying whether she is right or wrong, whether Trump did that or did not do it. But she made an accusation. And when you look at an accusation, I want to look at some specific parts because some things just don't add up. Sergeant Steve, let's play cut one talking about Trump's actions and what happened on that Braniff plane. Then the meal finished and the stewardess cleared away the, the, the dishes and everything else like that. And it was like suddenly he's like encroaching on my side of, of, the, of the seat. And his, his hands were everywhere. Did he say anything? No. And I didn't either. You didn't say anything? To I didn't say anything. You say his hands were, were everywhere. Can you be specific? Well, he was grabbing my breasts and trying to turn me towards him and, and kissing me. And then after a bit, that's when his hands started going. I was wearing a skirt, and he, his okay, hold, hands hold right started there, going. Sergeant Steve, hold, it, hold it right there. Now, she doesn't say anything. He starts supposedly groping her, puts his hand on her breast, starts kissing her, and she doesn't say anything? Don't you find that a little bit odd? Now, she doesn't know this person, a stranger. If I'm sitting next to a stranger, let's say a, well, it depends on the stranger. If there's a hot woman that's next to me and she gro- goes and grabs to reach my and I find her very attractive, the first thing I'm going to do is say, I'm going to say something. I'm going to say, ah, greetings. Glad you found the pleasure stick. Or if she's not so hot, I'm going to say, sweetheart, there is nothing that's going to go on down there. Not happening. But you are going to say something, whether it's, what are you doing? Or stop, or what the hell? You are going to say something. She just sat there and didn't say a word? Suspicious. Continue. Towards my knee and up my skirt. And that's when I said, I don't need this. And I got up. Is that literally what you said? I don't know or, if I said were, it out loud or whether, but I, you know, you thinking. I, I do remember thinking the, the guy in the other seat, um, why doesn't he say something? I mean... Pause that right there. So, wait a minute. Why doesn't he say something? So this goes on, supposedly, to this Jessica Leeds woman for 15 minutes. Not 30 seconds, not a minute, not five... 15 minutes this goes on, and she doesn't, number one, immediately say, what are you doing? Stop. Number two, for 15 minutes this goes on, and then she gets up and says to herself, didn't say out loud, I don't need this anymore, but looks across at the aisle... For the gentleman across, supposedly in a first-class cabin, I would think that if the guy in the aisle looking, going, what the hell is going on? And why didn't she say what the hell's going on? But 15 minutes later, she doesn't say anything. She just, she just says to herself, I don't need this to get up and go back to coach. I'm sorry. 
It is not plausible. I am not buying it. Too many holes. Now, I know women are going to say, oh, well, you should automatically believe her. Why? She has the right to accuse. I have the right to say, wait a minute, let's look at common sense here. That's what any police officer would do. That's what any investigation would do. They would look at this and say, wait a minute, what the hell? Continue. Other people see? The, the guy in the seat across the aisle could see. And I kept thinking, well, maybe the stewardess is going to come and he'll stop. But she never came. Do you know how long that went on for? <sighs> Not real long. No. No, I would say just about, what, 15 minutes? Now, wait a minute, that's not real long? Wait a minute, that's not real long? Somebody kissing you against your will, groping you, sticking their hand up your skirt, uh, sticking their hand down your blouse, touching your your, your rack, you're saying 15 minutes? Come on. Not long? I'm not buying it. Let's finish this this segment up, this uh, soundbite up, Steve. Yeah. Did he actually kiss you? Yeah. Uh, on the, the face or on the lips? Oh, wherever he could find a landing spot, yes. And, I mean, 15 minutes is, is a very long time. Well, you know, it yes. seemed like uh, forever. Oh, so wait a minute. She said it wasn't a long time, but it seemed forever, but yet doesn't say anything. Again, I find this hard to imagine. I don't care who it is. If there's a stranger sitting next to you, whether you're a male or female, and somebody sticks their hand on you and kisses you, you're not going to say, whoa, what's going on? And and be startled and everybody else in the cabin hearing this? I'm not buying it. Again, just too implausible. Now, the next soundbite that I want to play is she mentions that at 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 a charity event a few years ago, she ran into Trump. And something that he said to her. Hit it. And up to the table comes Donald Trump. And he, I hand him, I hand the, the ticket for his table and he looks at me and he says, I remember you. You're the woman from the airplane. Now he used another word. What did he say? It's obscene. It's obscene. And I, I just... I don't want to go there. But wait, wait, he, so wait a minute. She he, doesn't want to go there. She doesn't want to go there. She has no problem making all these other accusations against Trump. He groped me. He kissed me. His tongue was down my mouth. 15 minutes this went on. And yet, she doesn't want to bring up what he said to her. I find that rather, mo- not rather, most incredibly suspicious. If it were me, I'd say, I'll tell you exactly what he said. He told me to do this or told me to do that. She can certainly clean it up because you know that CNN's going to beep it out anyway. Or she can, she can certainly say, you know, he told me to go F off or he called me the C word or whatever. But she doesn't say it. Let's wrap. Continue, Steve. Acknowledged me. And I... So he, when, when he, said you're, he said you're the something from the airplane? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So he was using a derogatory term. Mm-hmm. As I recall it, I just said, here's your ticket. I hope you have a good evening. And I I left pretty soon afterwards because I was thunderstruck. I was thunderstruck that he remembered me at all. Yet she doesn't want to say what Trump said to her because it was so derogatory. 
Let me translate. Trump didn't say anything to her. She just made that up, but couldn't come up with something that he would say. And she knew damn well that if she said that, oh, yeah, Trump said this to me, and she'd be lying, she'd be caught in a slanderous and libelous act. That's why she didn't say what Trump said to her. No problem. You can make the accusation saying, oh, yeah, Trump said this derogatory. But she doesn't go on to say it. I would think you would want people to know, especially when you disparage the man over all these other accusations. Now, what exactly does she want? And I want you to listen to this because there is no question in my mind, and I will show you in just a bit, somewhere along the line, she had been brokenhearted, or men did not treat her well, or she's got some sort of hard-on against men. Hit it. Or what do I expect out of it? It would be nice if some men could have some sort of inkling that their behavior leaves a mark, leaves a scar, leaves leaves a lot of pain. And it okay, may hold it right there. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. But if this supposedly happened on an airplane, I don't believe that's a scar and there's pain. Because first of all, she would have said something. But I believe that somewhere in her past, somewhere along the line, this woman got dumped and got dumped badly. And maybe it was more than one man. And I don't know the reasons why. But for whatever reason, this woman has a male-bashing complex. Let's finish up the soundbite. Fun and games to them, but it's not for a lot of women. Fun and games to them, but not for a lot of women. I'm telling you right now, she got dumped and got dumped badly. But there is a little epilogue to this story. Because Jessica Leeds, on October 23, 2002 wrote a letter to the editor of the New York Times. To the editor, I wouldn't be surprised if you received more than a few letters from people, mostly women, about to have and hold till driven apart in the car section on October 23rd. I thought long and hard about how to communicate to my husband, the true alpha male, that his driving is terrible. I've never had an accident, he says. Yes, but he'll make a new lane change so he can get ahead of the other cars. He will race through a yellow light. He will drag race with the car next to him. Oh, and when the light changes, he absolutely defines the New York Minute. I have said to him, this is not a race. Driving the left lane is not a God-given right. Pushing through pedestrians to turn is not gentleman-like behavior. I'm lucky. I have a wonderful man as a husband, but he is a fool when he drives. Signed, Jessica Leeds. Ah, Notice how she gets the true alpha male. I am telling you the way she used the term alpha male by calling her husband the true alpha male, that is derogatory. And there is no question in my mind that this woman who, by the way, 35 years ago, and I don't give a damn if a feminist says, oh, you're judging on her looks, trust me when I tell you, Donald Trump's taste is hot models. My taste are hot women, bodacious, listen, blonde hair, big boobs, that's what I like. But I will tell you, this woman, even back when she was 39, in no way, shape, or form was any beauty queen. Not in the least. Okay? Not in the least. So I am very suspicious. And I think when somebody points the finger, I think the liberal mainstream media or the liberal-dominated media ought to investigate and pick some holes. Anderson Cooper just sat there. 
didn't question her story in any way, shape, or form. Well, they won't do it, but this true alpha male will, because I think it's only right that when an alpha male is attacked, all alpha males are attacked, and all I want as being part of the frustrated majority is the truth. She is not telling the truth, in my humble opinion. Lieutenants, we'll celebrate Cigar Oktoberfest next hour. Two home brewers will be joining us. We've got Phil Azun from his brew cave in St. Petersburg, Matt Puccio from Springfield, Missouri. Everything you need to know about home brewing, how they got into it, what you can learn from them. Hour number two of the Cigar Dave Show continues. Long live the Alpha. The Cigar Dave Show podcast is presented by Diamond Crown. Sit back, relax, pour a drink, and light up a Diamond Crown as you begin the show with the general, Cigar Dave. This is CCRN, the Cigar Connoisseur Radio Network. Broadcasting from Humidor 1A in the cigar city of Tampa, Florida, USA. Welcome to the Cigar Dave Show, your weekly excursion into the world of cigars, spirits, and diversions. The cigar and pleasure-friendly hotlines are open. 877-DAVE-007. Now, fire up a cigar and pour yourself a cocktail. It's time for the General Cigar Dave. Cigar Oktoberfest may have ended in München in Bavaria in Deutschland, but we continue wearing our lederhosen here in the United States and here on the Cigar Dave Show as we celebrate Cigar Oktoberfest the entire month of October. And in this hour, we shall continue our series on home brewing last week. We were at Avid Brewing Company in downtown St. Petersburg, Florida, with Jeff Keller and Connor Meyer. They went through Home Brewing 101, the science of brewing. And we'll continue that this hour with two Avid home brewers. No pun intended. We, they were, we were at Avid last week, but both of these gentlemen today are big-time Avid brewers. Home brewers, that is. We will continue. I've got my Padro 1964 Maduro that... I'm thoroughly enjoying, just about finished my Cigar City Brewing Maduro Brown Ale, which means I'm ready to open up a brewski to get me through Hour 2. Welcome back, Hour to, uh, number 2 of the Cigar Dave Show. As always, lieutenants, make sure you follow me on social media. Go to our website, CigarDave.com, which is a cornucopia of alpha male pleasure content. And on the upper right, you will see that you can just click and follow me on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, and YouTube. Without any further delay, I'm going to select for this hour from Blue Point Brewing Company in Long Island, their winter ale. Now, this is one of their seasonals. They also come out with a summer ale. This is their winter ale, a hearty, robust amber ale. They use pale Vienna crystal chocolate malts, balanced character of malts and hops, just the right amount of spores to a spice to warm you up during the colder months. This is available fall and winter. Alcohol by volume, 7.7%. IBU, international bitter bitterness units, 30. So it's going to be a little bit more on the hoppy side. And the gravity, 1.07. We will get to gravity in just a little bit. But Blue Point Brewing was founded 1988, Long Island's first 
Craft Brewery, co-founded by two gentlemen who love beer. Just like many people that we see, they took their passion, their hobby, and turned it into a business. So let me open up the brew point. There we go. Got my winter ale. Of course, I always have a chilled glass. I don't drink it out of a bottle. No, thank you. Now, this is a deep-looking dark brown. There's no question about it. Almost a reddish, a reddish rosado color. Nice foamy head. Mmm. Wonderful aromas, some spice, some cinnamon. On the nose, I'll say cheers. Take a sip. Wow. Expansive on the palate. A lot of notes of espresso. Mm. Definitely some maple pumpkin spice. And just a tad bit of hoppiness. But overall, drinks like a nice dark stout. Very pleasant. So the Blue Point Brewing Winter Ale from Long Island is now in my beautiful chilled beer stein, and I will enjoy this throughout the hour. Now, let me welcome two longtime friends to the Cigar Dave Show. First joining us from his home brew pad in St. Petersburg, Florida, where we were last week. Longtime friend as well as a producer and director of creative services for the Cigar Dave Show, Phil Azun, known on the show as Phil R. Blend. Phil, welcome to the show. Great to have you from your home brew pub. Good afternoon, everybody. Thanks for having me again, Dave. Pleasure to be back. I understand you have an assistant brewer that is joining you today. Yes, that would be my dog, Louie. Louie, fantastic. You got to love that. Louie will be assisting what? Uh, on putting in the hops or uh, just licking the, 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 the bowl when it's all done? Yes, the latter, pretty much. Ah, there you go. Okay. And also joining us today on our Cigar Oktoberfest home brewing series from Springfield, Missouri. I say it just the way they say it in the show me state. We've got Matt Puccio. Lieutenant Matt, greetings front and center. Long ashes and tall head on that beer to you, General. Back at you. And by the way, a uh, happy birthday. It was your birthday a couple of days ago. And I know that from your father, Colonel Ange, uh, you had a wonderful time. You're out in the Rocky Mountain region, I understand, actually collecting water for Coors beer. <laughs> yeah, that's correct. Yeah, we did a little sampling of some of the delicious ales that are available out in that region, and, and we had a great view of the Rockies while we were out there as well, too. But we are back in the Show Me State for the weekend. Outstanding. So, Matt, tell us how you became an avid home brewer. It's a it's a great story, you know. I uh, and I, you know, I think it's something that um, a lot of your listeners can relate to. So, if you enjoy beer and you enjoy a variety of beer, um, you know, you be kind of you you start to question how how are these beers made and why are they different? And I was very lucky. I just had a couple of friends that said, you know, hey, we just started doing this home brewing thing. And uh, we're just going to meet up uh, after work at a buddy's uh, place of business in, in, the, in, the, uh, in the garage, believe it or not, of his place of business. And you can watch and see what we do. It's really pretty easy. And, um, and so I just hung out and, and watched these guys brew uh, for an evening. And uh, when I saw what it took to make your own beer and I knew that I could, um, you know, I knew that these guys were, and of course, I, they through the whole process were handing me home brews and I was trying all these great, you know, homemade beers that had such great variety and flavor to them. I, I, I was instantly hooked. So, um, I went to my local, um, homebrew store and, um, you know, bought some beginner equipment just to get started. 
and uh, and the and I was uh, the bug bit me instantly, and uh, I was surprised at just um, in order to get a good quality beer, a good tasting beer, how easy it was. Uh, you did not have to be a rocket scientist, though. Though there is certainly some science going on, and uh, and how great these beers tasted, and it was really not that complicated of a process. Matt, how long ago was that? That was about 15 years ago, General. So 15 years, you've been a home brewer hobbyist, would be, I guess, the correct term. And what was your first, how did you start? Did you go out and buy a kit? Did you buy a Mr. Beer? What was your first foray into home brewing? Well, here's where I'm lucky, because I think so many people out there, um, you know, they get these kind of plastic all-in-one kits and that kind of thing, and they give it a go, and things just don't turn out right. Um, I was very lucky to have a, a great local home brewing shop to kind of steer me in the right direction and also have some friends um, that had done a little bit of home brewing. So, um, you know, I wasn't just completely and totally doing it on my own. Um, I had a little bit of direction. So, but again, I spent very little money. I spent under a hundred bucks to get all the gear I needed to, um, you know, start from the stage of, of boiling uh, wort to getting down to fermenting and then bottling beer. Um, you know, I had everything I needed in my first basic setup for under a hundred bucks. I bought a beer kit uh, for the ingredients that was already assembled that had the malt extract and had the hops and all of the ingredients that it takes um, in order to make the beer along with instructions on how to do it, um, which I think is a great way for someone to start off. It gives them that structure and makes it very easy. Um, mine was just a, a simple British pale ale. And the beer was very drinkable. It, it, it was a five-gallon batch, and it produced about uh, two cases of British Pale Ale. And the beer was so good that I, I was hooked and been, have been hooked for a decade and a half now. Now, Phil, let's go to you. Tell us uh, how long you've been homebrewing and how you first got into homebrewing. Uh, I've been at it about two years. And I got started who, with somebody who you are actually familiar with, Dave. That's uh, Jay, who started Barley Bow here in Largo. He was a bartender at a local establishment prior to opening Barley Bow, and I used to frequent that establishment, and Jay used to bring in his beers while he was working for his regular guests and would let us all sample it, and I just kind of started it seeing all the different types of styles he was bringing in and sampling them. And I said, wow, if he can do this, I know I could probably do this. And he was real encouraging. And about two months later, I got I got a kit for my birthday from uh, my better half. And what kind of kit did you get? A ba- uh, just a basic starter kit, uh, two five-gallon buckets, a hygrometer, uh, ma- a mash paddle, basically – any start a, a regular starter kit that you could buy at Avid for about ninety nine dollars, uh, and I kind of just took it from there. I started out with extracts. I did three extracts, I think, at the beginning, and then I just switched over to all grain after watching a few videos and talking to a few guys in our beer club, and I've been hooked ever since. Now, when you started, Phil, did you go to a class? Did you go online to look at any videos? Did you read books? How did you learn to brew? Uh, I actually did read a book, How to Brew, and then I just started watching a lot of YouTube videos and just try to soak up as much knowledge about it as I could, that, that I could. And when you talk about extracts, what's the difference between the extracts and a regular brew? 
you're not mashing. You take out the mash step because the extract is basically a syrup and it, it is already the mash is already taken care of for you. It's basically for apartment dwellers and guys or girls who don't want to spend a, a whole lot of time and, you know, doing it, they can, they can opt for an extract and it takes about an hour or two out of the process, but it also kind of limits you on the styles and the amount of different flavor profiles you can add to the beer. And as we learned last week when we were at Avid Brewing Company with uh, Jeff Keller and Connor Meyer and talking about the science of brewing, the eight or nine steps, that is step two when you talk about mashing the grain. The first step is selecting your malted grain, your hops, your yeast, your adjuncts, of course, having water, the raw materials. Step two is mashing the grain where you steep the grains in hot water between 142 degrees and 159 degrees for about an hour or two. So basically that takes out step two, so you're ready for the third step. Actually, it also takes up step three. It takes out step three, Phil, which is sparging, which is rinsing the sugar out of the grains to create the wort. So basically it takes two steps out of the eight-step process. Correct. It actually it, ta it takes about two hours out of your day. If you don't want to spend a, like a six, seven-hour day brewing an all-grain, you can spend three hours, four hours brewing an extract kit. All right. We're talking uh, on our Cigar Oktoberfest home brewing series with Matt Puccio joining us from Missouri. I love saying Missouri because that's the way Harry Truman <laughs> said it. Not Missouri, but Missouri. You know, and, and it's funny because I'll never forget. I went to a wedding. My college roommate was from Missouri. And uh, and at the wedding, I'll never forget this. The rabbi says, and by the, by the authority from the great state of Missouri, and that's the first time I really heard it. And then I'd heard, I heard that all these other politicians and other people from Missouri say Missouri. So got to call it the correct name, Missouri. Uh, so we got Matt Puccio from Missouri. We've got Phil Azun joining us from his brewing cave in St. Petersburg, where he's about to begin some brewing operations. We'll go through that. We'll continue our conversation, home brewing, science of brewing, with two great home brewers as we continue. The October selection for the Cigar Dave Officers Club is a Casa Torrent vertical sampler, including the Casa Torrent Siri 1973 from A. Torrent Cigars. This cigar uses a San Andreas Criollo wrapper and binder with fillers from Mexico and Nicaragua. The Casa Torrent Siri 1973 is a medium-bodied smoke that is extremely smooth. It's easy to join the Officers Club to have these cigars shipped directly to you. Just log on to CigarDave.com Hi, this is Rocky Patel. On a daily basis, our personal rights, freedoms, and privileges are being taken away by the government, by the people who don't want us to enjoy the fine things in life. Cigars. Guess what? Socialism stinks. Cigars don't. So in order to celebrate life, we decided to release the freedom. This great cigar from Nicaragua has tones of coffee, spice, pepper, with a great underlying sweetness. It's got a beautiful Ecuadorian wrapper, fillers from different parts of Nicaragua, and guess what? It's priced very fairly. So go out and celebrate the fine things in life and enjoy your freedom by lighting up a Rocky Patel freedom. I promise you, nobody works harder than we do to make you a great quality cigar. Come visit us at RockyPatel.com. Surgeon General Warning. 
Cigars are not a safe alternative to cigarettes. The brand new Cigar Dave mobile app for both iPhone and Android devices is finally out. If you go right now, either to the iTunes store or the Google Play store, search for Cigar Dave and download our brand new app. It allows you to listen to the show live on your mobile device. You can listen to all of our podcasts. The last 10 podcasts are always available. Cigar Dave Daily Briefings. Additionally, it gives you direct access within the app to our Twitter page, our Facebook page. We also have the ability for you to call the show during the show right from the app, as well as send me a text message and an email. We also put in a couple of bonus items. You can get a weather uh, uh, alert as well as an alarm clock. It is the brand new Cigar Dave mobile app. You can listen to the Cigar Dave show anytime any place, anywhere. Go right now to the iTunes Store or Google Play Store and download the brand new Cigar Dave mobile app. It's an exquisite day here at the Jensen Estate patio overlooking the 13th green. And we're underway. Jim Jensen has chosen his favorite stick. The Diamond Crown Number 4 by J.C. Newman. See the way he holds the cigar, Tom? Mm -hmm. Excellent balance and heft. Ooh, he's eyeing the silky Connecticut Shade Wrapper. Fermented twice for the smoothest, richest flavor. And hand-rolled by the Fuente family with a blend of 6 to 7 distinct Dominican and Caribbean basin tobacco leaves. Each lovingly aged for at least five years. Oh, now Jensen's lighting up the diamond crown. He's got a precision burn, Tom. Mm, those highly complex flavors with hints of dark chocolate really deliver, Bill. Yes, like all cigars in J.C. Newman's premium diamond crown line. That'd be the highly rated Maximus and the Julius Caesar. Ah, now Jensen's settling in, rolling the rich smoke through his nose. Look at the satisfaction on his face, Bill. Oh, a thing of beauty, Tom. Experience the premium Diamond Crown brand by J.C. Newman at select retailers or Diamond Crown Lounge near you. Find us on Facebook at J.C. Newman Cigar Co. or visit DiamondCrown.com. Thoroughly enjoying my Padron 1964 Maduro, which is going beautifully with this Blue Point Winter Ale. Just a magnificent, uh, this drinks, even though it's an ale, drinks more like a chocolate stout. Magnificent. Wonderful taste, wonderful aroma, a little bit of pumpkin spice. Very pleasant, highly recommended. We continue talking home brewing as we celebrate Cigar Oktoberfest, continuing our home brewing series, and we've got two home brewers joining us. We've got Matt Puccio from Missouri. Correction, Missouri. Got to get that straight. Missouri, the show-me state. And we've got uh, Phil Azun, also better known as Phil Arblen, during his days on the Cigar Dave Show from his brew cave in St. Petersburg. Now, Phil, you have begun to brew as we speak. What are you brewing? I'm brewing a Goza today. Now, we learned about a Goza last week. Why don't we refresh our alphas about what a Goza is? A Goza is a, it's a very light, uh, not a lager. It's actually, it's actually an ale, but it, it's very light, very drinkable, very quenching. It's, uh, this, this recipe today, I'm shooting for about 4.6% alcohol. It has a tinge of tartness, but it's not considered a sour beer. But it does have a, a slight tartness to it. Uh, it's just a really delicious drinking beer for Florida. 
it's it's a not it, even though we're coming to the end of summer or actually in the early fall here it's still warm here so this is a great beer to have by the pool and you can drink several of these and not you know feel like you know you get hammered off of them it's a, just a very it's it's a, as the guy said last week it's a dangerous beer because you can drink a lot of them what is the significance of achieving 4.6% alcohol by volume why do you want that specific number well it's a, you could actually shoot for whatever you want uh, this style really is not known for it's 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 more for taste rather than the the alcohol of it. Um, other other styles tend to lean more towards heavier alcohol. Your IPAs, your Belgians, even your 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 Imperial Stouts. A Goza typically by style is usually under five percent. All right, so Goza is what you are brewing now. Tell us, take us through the process. What do you? What's going on right now? Right now, I'm mashing, and my mash temperature. I'm shooting for a drier rather than um, like like you were talking about earlier, the mash temperature is between 142 and 159. On the lower end of that on that scale, you, you'll get a drier beer. On the higher end of that scale, you'll get somewhat more of a, a fuller, uh, sweeter, more maltier beer. This style t- is more on the dry side. So I'm mashing right now at 149, and I'm about 50, oops, excuse me, I'm about 50 minutes in, when I hit the 60-minute mark, I'm going to add two pounds of acidulated malt, and the acidulated malt is going to provide that tartness for it. And that's going to, I'm going to hold that 149 temperature for another 45 minutes. Now, two questions. First, what is acidulated malt? Acidulated malt, it's or short for acid malt, it's, it's another kind of malt, uh, but what it does is it imparts tartness. Uh, you could also... A lot of guys use it in smaller doses to uh, to reach a pH of about 5.3, which is a good mash pH. But for this particular style, I'm actually using it more for its acid qualities, more of its uh, tartness that, that to impart that into the mash, and then of course impart it into the beer. Now, when you use the term "dry," you want it. You're you're mashing at 149 degrees. Define dry. Just not not sweet, more crisp, dry. Um, like your your October, a lot of your Oktoberfest beers tend to be more on the heavier malt side, a little more sweeter. Right. This is just more of a just a refreshing, dry kind of beer, which you don't really get a lot. It's not very malt forward. All right, we will continue our conversation during our Cigar Oktoberfest home brewing series. Two home brewers. We just heard from Phil Azun in his brewing cave, St. Petersburg, Florida, and Matt Puccio from Springfield, Missouri. And when we come back, we'll talk about their favorite brews, what they like, what they look for, their trials and tribulations in home brewing. If they can do it, we all can do it. So, fellow Alphas, we will continue celebrating Cigar Oktoberfest. No enemies of pleasure allowed. Download the Cigar Dave mobile app for Android, Kindle, and iOS so you can listen to The General anytime, anywhere. The Cigar Dave mobile app is presented by Diamond Crown. Search Cigar Dave in the App Store today.
1964, Jose O. Padron began rolling cigars bearing his name in modest surroundings with one guiding principle, always focus on quality, never on quantity. Nearly 40 years later, Padron cigars are recognized for their superior taste and majestic construction. The result of Padron controlling all aspects of the cigar making process, including planting their own seeds, growing and curing their own tobacco, and constantly supervising the rolling room. To Wall Street, it is called vertical integration. To the Padron family, it's called making great cigars. The Padron lines include the Padron 1964 Anniversary Series and the Padron Traditional line. All Padron cigars are wrapped in Nicaraguan sun-grown Habano tobacco, available in natural or maduro. Experience Padron. For your Padron retailer, call 1-800-453-5635. When Padron is on the band, quality is a matter of family honor. Surgeon General Warning. Tobacco use increases the risk of infertility, stillbirth, and low birth weight. I can see the robust, rotund women that are serving the beer and the big steins at Oktoberfest in Deutschland in München with their ample amounts of rackage, stackage, and boobage and decolletage just flying out. And by the way, if any of you women are offended, too damn bad, because we are not politically correct. And in fact, I celebrate the boob here on the Cigar Dave Show And we'll get, uh, as we talked about in the first hour, we do not care about the feminists. We are proud to be alpha males. No hint of wussification or betaness anywhere in Command Center Alpha or anywhere in our distilleries or in our brew caves. We continue our series on home brewing as we celebrate Cigar Oktoberfest. We have got Phil Azun from his brew cave in St. Petersburg, Florida. And we've got Matt Puccio in Springfield, Missouri. So, Matt, tell us about your favorite styles. What do you like to brew? Have there been any styles that you've gravitated towards over other styles? Well, that's a great thing about home brewing is that you can make the beer taste exactly like you want to. And the great thing about, uh, about the beers of the world is there's such an amazing variety out there. So you're really your only limit is your imagination. Um, which is, um, you know, which is such a great thing about brewing. It's, it's like, it's like cooking. You can, you can make it taste any which way you want. Um, myself, I, I, I brew pretty much just ales. I don't have, uh, I don't have the equipment to do the lagering, though I have done some, uh, kind of basic caveman style lagering in the garage in the winter, slowly moving it from the garage door closer and closer to the house. Uh, to ch- to affect the temperature, um, but I'm probably but Phil is probably uh, uh, his head's going to explode uh, when he hears me that it's not very technical. Uh, but that being said, uh, I, um, I, I you know I so I gravitate towards ales. I like stronger ales. I like um, uh, I have a Belgian strong ale recipe that's uh, become kind of a standard uh, for me. Um, I also like um, 
like some of the British barley wines, which tend to be very high gravity beers, sometimes as high as uh, uh, double digit uh, alcohol by volume. So 10, 11, 12 percent. Um, but then I also like, you know, just like an, um, uh, an oatmeal stout or, um, you know, a simple porter. Um, and of course I love hoppy beers too. So pale ales and IPAs, uh, um, yeah, I didn't really narrow it down for you, for you, did I general? Uh, well, that's okay. You, you, you just like people <laughs> who enjoy cigars or you're, you're a connoisseur of steaks. I know your dad, uh, Colonel Ange, we like the tomahawk ribeye. We like the New York Strip. Sometimes you like ribs. Sometimes you want uh, a burger. It's all over the place. And I think that's the great thing about being a home brewer. You can wake up one morning and say, you know, I want to try something brand new. Or the next week saying, I'm going to go back to my my favorite ale that I like to make. Now, is there any, out of all of those, is there any one that you gravitate towards more than the other? Yeah. I would say if I had a signature beer, it would be my Belgian strong ale. And what define a Belgian strong ale? So, well, that's kind of a wide uh, variety as well, too. But um, you're going to generally have a beer that's made with a Belgian malt. Uh, you're going to generally be at a higher gravity, probably somewhere between 7 and 10%. Uh, mine falls right around 8% normally. Now, let's talk about um, gravity. Gonna... What does that mean? What does that gravity mean? So... So, yeah, so what we're talking about is the original gravity um, taken by a hygrometer, which you're, you're measuring the sugars that are in the beer, and you're measuring the beer's fermentability, and then you measure its final gravity, meaning how much of those sugars have been uh, fermented out of the wort, and, and then once uh, the, uh, the uh, fermentation is finished, you, put, you measure those two numbers against each other, and you have a formula that you can plug in and get your actual alcohol by volume. So generally, when we say a higher-gravity beer, we mean a beer that is higher in uh, alcohol by volume. So less sugars. Uh, I'm high, so higher gravity, less sugar, lower gravity, more sugars. Um, no, not necessarily. Uh, we're starting off with more sugar and a higher gravity beer, and we are fermenting them out. Uh, but we can still end with a relatively malty beer or a sweeter beer, or we could still end with a drier beer and still have a higher uh, alcohol content. So it's not necessarily the end result. It's more of how much of those sugars have we fermented out of the beer. Does that make sense? It does. It does make sense. Uh, how, did, how did the lager come out, by the way? How did which lager come out? Your, the lager oh, you, you the one said I did you, in the garage. Did, yes, yeah. it was out. It came out outstanding. Thanks for asking. Yeah. So um, it just. I, I think that's an example of um, you know how uh, I, Charlie Papazian is a very famous uh, uh, author and has written the uh, the the uh, jo complete joy of home brewing is probably his most famous um, of all of his books. And that one thing that he always says is, "Don't worry, have another home brew." So when, when uh, a mishap happens or you don't do something precisely the way it's supposed to be done, uh, the key is to just continue to forge on, have another homebrew, don't worry, uh, have another cigar, and odds are you're still going to have a very drinkable beer, even if you've, you've had a little mishap along the way. And we'll talk about mishaps and what you've learned along the way. And I think that's really how you learn to become a better home brewer by the mistakes and mishaps along the way. And you let Mother Nature, interesting, you let Mother Nature do the work. The cold temperature in the winter in Missouri, you had it in the garage where it's obviously cooler, and then you slowly brought it closer to the house where it was warmer. So that's a, a very uh, ingenious way 
of making a lager without having the proper equipment per se. Now, Phil, let me ask you, tell us about your favorite styles, what you gravitate towards. I tend to gravitate towards IPAs and Saisons, but I also do like to brew stouts and porters as well. But IPAs, I'm a hophead. I love hoppy beers. Now, the IPA is an India pale ale, and it actually goes back, uh, traces its roots back to the shipping days, way back before there was any refrigeration. And the way that they were able to transport beer was by making it a hoppier beer to keep it uh, keep it fresh, keep it from turning and spoiling. And so we have IPAs, double IPAs. So you gravitate towards that. And there was what was the other one you, you said you gravitate towards as well? Saison. Saison. Yes, it's a French and Belgian style. And that's a light beer. A Saison is very refreshing, very light, very crisp. It can be, but it also, it can can range. Saison's now, I mean, I I just saw one at uh, a a local establishment here recently that was only 2.9%, but you can also get Saison's upwards into the 8% range. It's it's basically a Saison is... Whatever you've got lying around, throw it in as far as malts. There's really no set malts or, or adjuncts that you can put in it. It's, it basically was fr- first came about from the farmhands in French and France and Belgium, and they brewed with essentially anything that they had. And it could be, it, it could be some, some vegetables, some spices, it just, just whatever floats your boat, really. It's the garbage plate of beer. <laughs> yeah, but a little, but little it, bit of a mixture of everything, like a stew. Just put it all in there. Sort of, but but what really gives it its its style flavor is this is the yeast. Saison has a specific flavor. The yeast gives it a really specific flavor. It, it imparts citrusy notes, peppery, spicy notes, and that's and and that in conjunction with the different malts that you throw in, really gives a really really unique beer. So the basically the yeast that you put in there, the specific yeast is what really makes that saison special. Absolutely, as well as what Matt was saying, he he brews his Bel- his Belgian beer. The Belgian yeast that he uses also is what really gives that beer its flavor. Now, Phil, I know you've told me that you've entered in. You've only been doing it a few years, but uh, I know that Jeff and Connor from Avid Brewing were mentioning that you've actually entered in numerous competitions and have placed pretty high haven't won anything yet but they said that that really getting very very close so tell us uh, some of the beers you've entered into the competition and how you finished well I've, I've, usually ipas and saisons and those are the ones that i've advanced to the final rounds which depending on the category you could have anywhere from 10 entries to 70 entries i tend to go towards the beers i like which are ipas and saison but they also happen to be some of the most heavily entered categories as well. So winning those categories is tough. I mean, you're up against guys who've been brewing for 10, 15, 20 years who have really honed their skills. And I'm, I'm actually, not to toot my own horn, I'm, I'm pretty pleased that I've, I've come in, you know, I've made the finals three different times up against some, some pretty strong brewers and my, my scores keep getting better. And it's, I think it's, like anything, it's experience. Yep. The more experience you get, the more confidence you get, then you will be able to enter beers. And, and if you're placing in the finals now, just probably some slight tweaks, and uh, and you will get there. Now, when we come back, I want to talk about some of the 
pitfalls, some of the mishaps, what you've learned during your home brewing careers that you can impart to others to maybe assist them as they begin their home brewing uh, hobby and, and ways that you could guide them, make sure they don't hit the wrong things. And I always say that smart men learn from their mistakes. Wise men learn from others. So when we come back, we will talk about that. We are talking Cigar Oktoberfest, our home brewing series. Phil Azun from his brew cave in St. Petersburg. We've got Matt Puccio from Springfield, Missouri. Our final and concluding segment of this edition of the Cigar Dave Show is next. Never miss a minute of the show when you download the Cigar Dave mobile app for Apple, Android, and Kindle devices. You can listen to our 24-7 continuous stream of the latest show or download the recent podcasts to listen to anytime on your mobile device. Get the Cigar Dave mobile app in the App Store. Search Cigar Dave. As a cigar connoisseur, one of the pleasures that we derive is walking into our retailer's humidor and seeing the latest and greatest in the world of cigars. Nine years ago, I had the idea that I wanted to share great cigars with the cigar lieutenants. So, the Officers Club was born. Every month, you will receive three fantastic premium cigars direct to your door, shipped in a very dapper Officers Club customized Ziploc cigar pouch. $22.95 per month gets you the latest and greatest in the world of cigars. No long-term contracts. You can cancel whenever you want. You enjoy great cigars right to your door. Names like Perdomo, Diamond Crown, Brickhouse, San Latano, Rocky Patel, Torano, CAO, Avo, Camacho, Greycliff, and many more. Join the Officers Club today. Go to CigarDave.com, click on Officers Club, and for $22.95, you'll get the latest and greatest in the world of cigars. In the fertile fields of the Connecticut River Valley, there is still one cigar brand who grows their own Connecticut shade wrappers, Monte Cristo. Prized for its unique silky texture, this exquisite tobacco has now been used to craft a cigar worthy of its name, the Monte Cristo White Vintage Connecticut. Building on the legacy of the beloved Monte Cristo White series, this excellent medium to full-bodied cigar is rich, flavorful, and complex. Crafted with only the finest vintage 2008 wrapper leaves, the Monte Cristo White Vintage Connecticut Cigar has subtle notes of spices, vanilla, and hazelnuts. Packaged in a gorgeous handcrafted box, these exceptional cigars are available now at your local tobacconist. Pick up a Monte Cristo White Vintage today and experience the spirit of the valley. Surgeon General Warning. Cigar smoking can cause cancers of the mouth and throat, even if you do not inhale. Cigar Oktoberfest continues on the Cigar Dave Show. Home brewing, talking with two home brewers, continuing our home brewing series. We've got Matt Puccio in Springfield, Missouri, and we've also got Phil Azun, longtime Cigar Dave Show producer, as well as 
Creative Services Director, joining us from his brew cave in St. Petersburg. So, Phil, tell us, where are you along the way? Right now you said that you are mashing. In about another hour, you will sparge, correct? About 45 minutes. I just added my two pounds of acidulated malt. I'm going to let that go for about 45 minutes, and then I'll begin the sparge process. And sparging is when you rinse the sugar out of the grains to create the wort. How long does that take? Uh, typically about anywhere from 45 minutes to 75 minutes. Slower is better. You don't want to rush that because you want to extract as much sugar from the grains as possible. And if you rush it, and when I mean rush it is opening the valve on your mash tun too wide. If you, if you open it and get too full of a stream, you're not going to get the full efficiency from your, from your, from your mash. And you, you really want to kind of just open that mash tun, just that valve just slightly and let it kind of trickle out and rinse the grains that way and just let it just let it be a slow process because you really want to get as like i said to get as much sugars as you can out of that mash all right and then the next step is boiling to concentrate uh, the sugars sterilize everything how, how long does the boiling part take 60 minutes so uh, you got after the sparge there's boiling then you add the hops during the boiling Yes, this particular batch I'm doing today is a very, very minimal. It's it's only a half ounce of hops, hops period. It's 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 really it, the acid malt and the yeast are the stars of this this particular style. Okay, then after you add the hops, then you will chill it to below 80 degrees. You want to cool the wort as quickly as possible so the flavors don't change. How long does that take? Uh, it takes about a half an hour to. I have an immersion chiller, which is basically copper coils. And you sterilize it in, inside the kettle while it's boiling for the last 15 minutes. And then you run cold water, ice cold water through the coils, and that chills the wort down. And it takes anywhere, if, you, if you're good about stirring, you can get it down to about 68, 70 degrees in about 20, 25 minutes. Okay, then you pitch the yeast, meaning you just throw the yeast in, correct? Yeah, but you want to aerate the wort before you throw the yeast in. You really want to... This, that, this is the only time you actually want to add oxygen to your beer. You never want to add oxygen after your yeast has have taken effect. When I mean aerate, you want to give the yeast something to eat and something to help them prosper. And when I mean aerate, you, you basically you can shake it for about a minute or you can stir it vigorously and, and really aerate that, that wort and then throw your yeast in afterwards. Okay, and then it's fermentation where you wait, what, about 30 days? Just let the yeast do its job. Yeah, uh, this particular beer is actually, a, uh, most ales are about about 10 days to two weeks of primary fermentation. And then secondary fermentation is where the beer starts to kind of clear itself out. The right. yeast fa- start to fall to the bottom of the fermenter, and it just kind of, kind of refines them and gets them nice and clean. This particular style... The primary on this will be about seven days, and then all secondary, rack it to a secondary vessel, let it clean itself out for another seven days. And it, I'll probably put this on the keg in about 15, 16 days if everything fermentation goes as planned. Okay, so you got about another four hours today, four and a half hours or so, until you can get to the point where you, you put the wort in for fermentation. Correct. Okay, gotcha. Now, Matt, let me ask you this. Many people are saying to themselves, I really want to become a home brewer. I want to try this. I'm going to buy books. I'm going to go to my home brewing store, take some classes. 
but give us some some helpful hints along the way because I'm sure there's been some experiences, some mishaps, some accidents where you've learned things you've learned from. So if you could share those with our alphas that are about to get into home brewing, we want to remind people is uh, no matter what happens, stick to the plan, get back on track. But I would say, and I know Phil will agree with me on this one, if there's one thing in the brewing process, if there's one and only one thing, you're going to make sure that you do precisely the way it's supposed to be done. It's sanitation. You want to make sure that every single piece of equipment that you're using is fully sanitized and that there is no, there's very little room for error there. Uh, because uh, once you get a wild yeast strain or you get a bacteria that's affecting uh, your your beer as it's being or your wort as it's being uh, uh, fermented, that can drastically change the flavor and quality of your beer. Is it a health problem? No, it's not necessarily a health problem. It's 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 more has to do with the flavor of the beer. Taste part. Okay. Um, so, and you could buy sanitizing what solution or powder or mixtures at the home brewing stores. Exactly. And the most common is just called star sand. It's a liquid, it's odorless, it's tasteless, um, and it's highly concentrated. It takes uh, just, a, just a couple of ounces uh, for, for a large multi-gallon uh, sanitation uh, bin of water. And uh, again, it's, it takes very, very little. Um, so it's not a challenging or difficult thing to do. Uh, but again, there's little room for error there because a, a wild strain of yeast or a bacteria gets in your beer and it could completely and totally ruin the batch. And I don't mean uh, make it unhealthy or unsafe for you. Uh, it would just become undrinkable. Okay, so sterilization, uh, sterilization along the way. Any other tips that you can provide well, to aspiring home brewers? Yeah, well, I mean, you know, there's always, I'd say the most common mistake that, that's made or the, the most common mistake that I will have make is I'll lose track of time in my boil and I'll miss a hop addition. You know, uh, you have your, your, your hops timed at, at certain points in your boil that you're going to add them. And, you, you know, you just get distracted or something happening and you, and you realize, oh, my goodness, I'm, I'm several minutes off. Just put it in at whatever time you realize it and go from there. And in most cases, a beer will still turn out great. Yes, it's not necessarily if you're in a competition and you want precision, um, you know, the beer may be off. But believe me, it will still be very drinkable and you'll still make a great beer. And who knows, you might like it so much, you might change the recipe to reflect that error. Okay, very quickly. Uh, how long, how many t- how often do you brew, Matt? I, you know, there was a point in time where I was brewing, uh, every Wednesday night with a brew club. Uh, we met okay. here in town and we met, uh, we were brewing every Wednesday night. Since then I have two kids now. We don't brew quite as frequently. We make sure we get together and we brew, um, you know, we try to brew a batch for every season together and then a couple of batches in between, uh, at home. So okay. uh, I would f- say f- in. Go ahead. Let me just, because we're tight on time. So, Phil, yep. let me ask you, first of all, real quickly, two-word answer. How often do you brew? Come again, Dave. You broke up. I couldn't hear your your question. Yeah, how, real quickly, how often do you brew? Uh, once a month, usually. Okay, once a month. And real quickly, in 30 to 45 seconds, give us some tips for aspiring home brewers. When you're mashing or when you're sparging make, and you're, you're taking your, your wart, into your kettle. Make sure you close the valve on your kettle. Don't leave the <laughs> kettle valve open because you'll have spilt wort all over your garage and a sticky mess, and your better half will not be happy with you. Well, it's all about you. Forget the better half. It's all about you. Yes, but a happy wife is a happy life. 
Uh, but you are the alpha, so you run the show. And if something happens, you say, no problem. We'll get it taken care of. Now, <laughs> that, any, yeah, go ahead. I said, and that's what I do. <laughs> that's what you do. Good man and alpha. All right. So, Phil, uh, we appreciate you joining us. You got about four hours to go, four and a half hours till your, your goza is ready to go into fermentation. So, Phil Azun from his uh, cave in St. Petersburg, his brewing cave, we appreciate it. Matt Puccio from Missouri, Springfield, Missouri. Matt, thanks for joining us. We appreciate your tips. All right. Home Brewing 101. Last week we gave you, you know, the first course. Today the second course from two avid home brewers. It's a great hobby. I may even take it up myself because I don't have enough pleasure hobbies. You can never have enough. Lieutenant Cigar Dave, the general, saying, Mayor Humidor always be full. Mayor Cutter always be sharp. Mayor Ashby extra, extra long. Semper Delictatio. Always pleasure. Long live the alpha. Don't listen to the feminists. Make America great again. Screw the feminists.